0: right now come on put your hands together all those watching online we love you hey excited to be with you today on memorial day weekend what are you guys doing for memorial day weekend come on shout it out to me what are you doing picnic golf jet ski that's what i'm talking about do you have two am i a friend (laughs) anybody got a pool You got a slippy slide that goes into it? No, you don't have one of those. Why don't you have one of those? Anybody got a diving board on your pool? Okay, I'll try second service. I'll try second service. Maybe they'll have one. But hey, we are so glad that you're out here at Summit Park. And we are in a series on Matthew as we've been just going through it verse by verse. And uh, it's really cool, this series on Matthew. If you've been with us, you know that we've been talking about this guy who was a bit of an outcast. He was a tax collector, so he was uh, in with the Romans, but not with the Jews, but he was a Jew, so kind of put him as an outcast, and yet Jesus reaches out to this guy, and you see that in the Gospel of Matthew, um, how he highlights that. It's almost like he shows uh, a little bit of favoritism towards those stories that would highlight those that are the outcasts. He also highlights the authority of Jesus. So as we've been looking on the the Sermon on the Mount, at the end of it, people were impressed with the authority that Jesus spoke with. Last week, we talked about the healings that Jesus did in the beginning of chapter eight, and no doubt, Jesus was able to just quickly and immediately heal someone because of his authority. We'll look next week as Jesus, we'll we'll see that he's got the power over weather and the, the forces of nature because he has authority. But in this passage that we're going to look at today, we see that there was three individuals that were so impressed with Jesus's authority that they simply wanted to follow him. They just wanted to follow him. But, but Jesus highlights some um, objections to it, wanted them to see some things before they made that decision to follow him. So in this context that Jesus has been healing some people, we talked about that last week. Then this crowd starts forming, and he starts healing them, teaching them, talking to them. And then Jesus makes this decision, hey, we're going to go to the other side because they were on the edge of the Sea of Galilee. They decide they're going to go the other side of the sea. And before he goes, there's these three people that want to follow him. Okay, so we're going to look at it in Matthew chapter 8, starting in verse 18. Now we're going to look at two people. In Matthew 18, okay, because Matthew highlights two people that wanted to follow Jesus. But if you look at the parallel passage in the Gospel of Luke, we see these two people. But then Luke adds a third person. So we're going to look at the first two in Matthew. Then we'll, we'll jump to uh, Luke's account, and we'll, look, we'll add this third person, okay? All right, so Matthew chapter 8, verse 18, this is what it says. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to the cross to the other side of the lake. When a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Verse 21. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Okay, so now we'll jump to Luke chapter 9. This is where Luke adds this third person, starting in verse 61. It says this, Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Okay, so again, Jesus is not really beating around the bush here. He's being really serious about those that would decide to follow him. And before we jump into and kind of unpack these three people, we have to know and establish this understanding. What was a um, physically what you would do in that day, you would physically follow Jesus, serves as a bit of a a metaphor for us today. What we are supposed to do, we're supposed to follow Jesus spiritually. And and this follow is different than just a decision. Because the reality is Jesus wants a follower, not just a decision. And there's a big difference between the two. Like following is, is active. Like it's, it's like I'm participating in this. Following is continuous, whereas the decision's just a one-time thing. But Jesus wants followers. He wants people that, that are humbly following him, that, that involve him in their lives, that that when you go to make a decision, you inquire of the Lord. That's the, that's the following that he he wants. It's, it's one where you're committed to growing and learning. And you're saying, God, what's the next thing you want me to, to learn and understand? See, decision is just a moment. But following Jesus is this continual act of, of, of actively following him. It's also pervasive, too, to where it involves every part of our lives. It's not just compartmentalized to where Jesus just has one segment of my life. No, Jesus has all parts of my life, every part of me is following Jesus. And what they did physically in that day, that's what we're to do spiritually today. Because Jesus wants followers, not just decisions. And so this is what he wants. And what, what he's going to do is, when he, he's, he's talking to these three people, he's saying, hey, there's going to be, you can follow me. So come follow me. That's great. But here's some things you're going to run into. Here's some challenges you're going to run into. And what he basically does is he pulls that issue right at the beginning. It's like, we can deal with this now, or we can deal with this later. I have this, um, I have a, a sprinkler system, and I decided the next house that I, I got, I was like, I decided I'm going to get a sprinkler system because I'm tired of my lawn dying. So made a decision years ago. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to get a sprinkler system. So I got that, and then um, they, they have this little, like, uh, valve thing where, you know, you got to winterize it to where they, they, they blow it out or whatever. Well, apparently I screwed it in a little too tight. And the other day I was mowing, and it's like spraying water. And I had been gone for days, and so right below it was like soak next to the house. It was all squishy and stuff. And um, so I, I turned off the sprinkler system, and I said, I think I could fix this with super glue. I... Why are you guys laughing? Why are you? I, I mean, I'm, I'm serious. I was like, I can get a little round clamp, and I can squeeze it down. And What I'm going to do is I'm going to put, I haven't actually done it yet. So um, I'm going to use super glue, and I'm going I'm to put the little, uh, the little cap on, in there. And I don't want to glue the cap in, you know, permanently. So I thought what I would do is I would just keep moving it while the glue, you know. Why are you shaking your head no? Host, please deal with this lady right here. <laughs> i just get it. <laughs> no, I know it's a bad idea. Okay, I get it. No, it's a really, really bad idea. But here's, if I do this, if I do this, what, I'll keep you posted. Um, but but I would imagine I'm just kicking the can down the road, okay? So it'd be better off to, like, actually fix it right the first time. Then I'm not going to have to worry about this thing leaking. And, and I think that's what Jesus is doing with these people. He's like, listen, we can kick the can down the road, or we can deal with these issues right now before you decide to follow me. So, that's what he's doing with these these people. Now, I will say this one more thing before we jump into uh, unpacking this. I will say these are not reasons not to follow Jesus. In other words, Jesus is not saying, "Hey, you need to get your life all cleaned up before you decide to follow me." I mean, that's never been the case. Reality is all of us are imperfect. We all have issues. If you're following Jesus, you still have issues, okay? So this, this is not what Jesus is saying. He's simply saying, hey, you're gonna run into this challenge down the road. And really, here's really the cool thing: is you and I can learn from this because as you're following Jesus, you're probably running into a few of these things, if not all of them at some point, or if you haven't yet, you will at some point because Jesus is gonna put his finger on it and say, Hey, I want you to deal with this okay so these are reasons not these aren't reasons not to follow jesus we should always make the decision to follow jesus no matter what's going on in our life he's able to swoop in and help us and guide us and he's helping these guys um by showing them the things and the challenges they're dealing with before they start the journey okay so let's unpack this these are three responses to three people um who are following jesus did i tell you the title of the message guys i am so sorry let me let me tell you the title this is the title, The Invitation into an Empty Boat. The Invitation into an imp- Empty Boat. Okay, now we're going to go back to where we were. Okay, so, so these, um, this first one here, this first person, I named each one of these people. Okay, I thought I would, I would name them. You can pull it up. I don't, I don't know if you've got it on the, this cool screen. Okay, so this is uh, the first person is Security Sam. Okay, Security Sam. How many know a Security Sam? You know, you know where I'm going with this? You know a security Sam? I can kind of be a security Sam, okay? So on the Enneagram, I'm a type six uh, a person, so I, I, like, I, I like security, okay? So this is security Sam. All right, so let me read this to you again, all right? So th- this is what Jesus says. Then the teacher of the law came to him and said to him, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, now listen to this. Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. Okay, in each one of these... Jesus' response reveals the motive of why the person's wanting to follow Jesus, okay? So each one, hey, I wanna follow you, I wanna follow you Jesus. That doesn't show the motive, okay? They're, they don't even understand maybe what their motive is, but they're keeping that hidden. But Jesus immediately, he can see in the heart, and he knows what their motive is, and so we get to see that in Jesus' response. So this dude um, um, has a misplaced security. So Jesus clarifies that misplaced security will impact our following of him. Jesus is like telling this guy, okay, whoa, Nelly! all right, listen, hold on just a second. I know you're excited to follow me, but there's an issue that I want you to know. You're getting into this, I think, for the wrong reasons. Jesus showed Sam that to follow Jesus, you have to let go of your trust in things and put your trust in him. Okay, let me say that again. Jesus wanted to show Sam that to follow him, you have to let go of your trust in things and put your trust in him. I, I would say by Jesus' response, this guy's probably thinking, "Hey, I, I I hang out with this guy, everything's gonna be taken care of. And we're gonna stay at the nicest hotels. I mean, this guy's got. I mean, he just healed all these people. He's got to be wealthy. I mean, this crew is is living nice. I can have unlimited bread. I can have unlimited fish. I mean, this is gonna be amazing." This guy's like, all my needs are going to be taken care of. And Jesus is like, whoa, hold on just a second. Here's what I've learned. There's a difference between getting a sense of security from things that God provides and getting your security from God himself. Okay, there's a difference between the two. Um, this, was, this was years ago, but I'll spare you the details. But just suffice it to say, there was a situation in our lives where Becca and I, we uh, we had two mortgages, and we had no jobs. That's not a great place to be. You ever been like a, a, like life throws you a curveball, and you're just like, wasn't expecting that right there. <laughs> this is not good. I remember, and I remember thinking I thought about taking up cussing at that point because I was like, life was so bad. Okay, I thought about like this. If ever there's a moment, now's a moment, Lord. So, but I was I was afraid. I was like, what am I gonna what am I going to do? And what God taught me was, is it's a, it's a good step in the right direction to have faith in God that provides for us, but it's a whole other thing to have your faith solely in God, even when you feel like he's not providing. So what I had to learn in that, that moment is that my hope was in things still. Like everything, God, please provide a job, please provide a, a paycheck. I was, as long as he was doing that, then we're good. But as soon as those things were taken away, now all of a sudden, I'm afraid. It it shows that my faith wasn't entirely in God and God alone. And I would have told you, like, yeah, I trust the Lord. My security's in him. And that would be true in part. But it wasn't until he removed some of those things to show just how dependent I was on those things. For example, all of us, except for me in this room, and there's a few others, but uh, all of us in this room, you're dependent on something right now and you're probably not even thinking about it. Right now, majority of people in this room, you're dependent upon the chair that you're sitting in. In fact, you weren't thinking about the chair until I just mentioned the chair. Okay, Now you're thinking about the chair. But let's say we could magically, okay, remove all the chairs in an instant. Okay, remove the chairs and and all of you would fall to the ground. Now you're thinking about the chair, right? Now all of a sudden you realize, wait, I was dependent upon that chair. And I think for me, what God had to do in my life, and oftentimes does in our, our lives, is that he'll start to remove things to show us just how dependent we are on those things. And once, we, once he removes that stuff, now we're all of a sudden realizing, you know what, I was dependent upon that paycheck more than I was dependent upon God. I was relying on that job to be my source of security rather than God being my source of security. It's not that God doesn't provide things. He does provide things. He for sure does. But He ultimately doesn't want us to put our trust in things. He wants us to put our hope and trust in Him. And God wanted to take me to the next level of faith. And now I'm still a work in progress. I mean, I still, but I can tell you, I've taken a big step because I realized what I was dependent upon was not solely on God. I was just dependent upon God and the things that God would provide. And that's what this dude is dealing with. Jesus is like, hey, let's just deal with this right now. Let's just talk about this because you think it's, you're, you're dependent upon the security that I could, the things that I could bring you. And what my disciples, those that follow me, they've got to just trust in me. They've got to be dependent upon me. And I wonder if for some in this room that God wants to take you to the next level, God wants to grow your faith. And maybe what he's doing is he's removing some things. From your life, Maybe right now you're, you're praying for something, and you're like, man, God is not answering. But you know what God could do? He's, he's kind of in a quandary sometimes. I think if he answers your prayer, your faith doesn't grow any more than other than God kind of stays as, as this person that can just give you what you want. But God wants to deepen your faith, and he does give us what we want. When we pray and we seek him, he does answer prayer. But oftentimes God will hold on and say, no, I'm not going to quite do that yet because I want you to be dependent upon me. I want you to rely on me i'm your security and you don't actually need that as much as you think you need that what you ultimately need is me and that's what this he wanted to teach this follower okay you sure you want you want to jump on board listen we're not going to stay in fancy hotels i don't know i mean i mean i'm sure jesus did know but the disciples didn't know where maybe their next meal was going to come from or the place that they were going to stay that night because they were ultimately dependent upon jesus they had to have that kind of dependence and what would have happened is this guy would have gotten down the road and being like, wait a minute, we're not staying at the Hilton. <laughs> like, we're staying outside. Like, this is not what I thought it was going to be. And so now he's faced with a decision. He would have to make that decision at that point. And Jesus just moves it up. It's like, let's go ahead and deal with this right now. Maybe for, for some of you, it's, it seems like God is silent. There was a period in, in my life where, where early on in my walk with the Lord, where I felt like God just went silent. And I was like, man, I was passionate for God. I was on fire for Him. I got saved when I was a teenager, just worshiping God. And then all of a sudden, there was just a season. I'm like, where is God? And I realized what God was doing is He wanted me to to learn to follow Him for Him, not for how He would make me feel. I was following and chasing a feeling. And God wanted to mature my faith and wanted me to be beyond just like whether I felt good you know, in the middle of worship or or felt good in the car when I was singing worship songs. And all those are, again, are great and amazing. God's presence can show up in all of that. But he ultimately wanted my relationship with him, the reason I follow him, not to be based on that and how he made me feel, but based on I love him and I'm committed to him no matter what. It's like a marriage. Sometimes you feel it, sometimes you don't, but you're committed. And that's ultimately what Jesus wants, us to be committed to the follow. Maybe what God is doing for, for some of you is He's removing a dependence. Could be a job. Maybe unexpectedly something happens, and or maybe expectedly, you know something happens. You lose lose your job. Maybe it's it's a, a person. It could be somebody in your life that then is now removed. The relationship is severed, and, and it's gone. And, and And now all of a sudden you're exposed. It's like man, and that, those things can be difficult. Maybe it's a, a thing. Like maybe it could be um, something. Material, like something that you have and possess, maybe a home, something that's valuable to you. Or it could even be something non-material, like a dream or an expectation or perspective. And those things get removed. And you know what God's doing? You gotta know that he's at work. Maybe he's not answering your prayer. Maybe he's silent right now and seems far away. Maybe he's taking that thing from you because he wants your faith not to be based on that thing, but he wants your trust to be in him. Like that's the reason we follow him. And for this dude, his faith was in things and even a little bit in Jesus to provide the things. But ultimately, the security has to come from Jesus and Jesus alone. All right, there's the second one, the second person here. We're going to call this person, put it off, Patty. Okay, put it off, Patty. Now, okay, this second disciple is a dude. Okay, so I recognize that it says in the scripture that he's a dude But put it off patty was just like float off the tongue right there. So I'm going to refer to this disciple as a lady, okay? So if that bothers you, then you're oversaved, and I'm sorry. I'll pray for you, okay? (laughs) I'm just kidding, kind of. Um, No, it's just creative, people. It's just creative. It's for fun. It's for fun, okay? So put it off patty. So here's what it says. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me. And let the dead bury their own dead. Man, this seems kind of harsh. I mean, not gonna lie. I mean, like, Jesus is kind of, like, intense right here when the dude just wants to go back and and bury his father, okay? So, or the gal wants to go back and bury his father, okay? So, but this is what Jesus is doing. Jesus clarifies that now is always the best time to start following him. Now is always the best time. So in that, that culture... It, when, when a Jewish person would, would die, they would bury him the same day. Okay, so it's highly unlikely that this disciple is actually, like, that her father actually died, uh, that is already dead. Okay, what she's saying is, like, hey, could I have, you know, I don't know when my dad's gonna die, but whenever he does, I wanna be there to be able to bury him, and then I'll come follow you. That's, that's what, and, and really, some commentators believe that this could have been an indefinite amount of time, it could have been years. I mean, it could have been years before her dad actually died, and she's putting off following Jesus. Put it off. Patty is saying, I'm not going to do this today. I'll do this sometime in the future. You know, there's a word for this. There's a word that describes this. It's called procrastination. Some of you, you put the pro in procrastination, okay? <laughs> How many here, okay, and I could be somewhat of a procrastinator, but uh, how many in here would say you're at least somewhat sometimes a procrastinator? Let me see your hand. Okay, I'm going to wait for some of you to raise your hand later because you're, see what I did there? See what I did? That's right. Let's pray. That's, that's a good spot to stop. i just kidding. <laughs> so um, have you guys seen that shirt that says procrastinators unite and then it says tomorrow or some other time? Yeah, it's pretty, pretty cool. You should get that shirt. But Patty is putting off, putting this off because someone is more valuable to her than someone else. It's really, really that simple. And and let's be clear, like what she wants to do is is a good thing, right? So what she wants to do is bury her father. Like that's that's a a good thing. You should honor your father and mother. But I think what 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 Jesus is saying here is that even though this is a good thing, it can become a bad thing when it becomes more important than the God thing. So a good thing can become a bad thing when it becomes more important than the God thing. And it's not so much that Jesus is saying that this is a bad thing for you to do, this is a good thing. It's not so much that he's highlighting that, he's highlighting just how significant following Jesus right now is. Not to wait to follow Jesus, that is a huge, huge mistake. And certainly this this applies for those who have not yet followed Jesus. So if you're watching online, you're here today, and you haven't decided to follow Jesus today the bible says today is the day of salvation now is the time this is the moment not don't wait for something else don't make an excuse on, on some of the reason that you got something else to do or okay i'm going to get my life cleaned up no 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 all of us are a mess all of us come to Jesus with our, our sins, and we cannot get cleaned up enough to be acceptable to him. So what he did is he took his, our sin upon himself so that we can now be the righteousness of God. Now we can experience cleanness because of what he's done, not because of what we would do. You would never be good enough. So now is the time. Now is the time to follow Jesus. But I also believe for those that are following Jesus, you would say you're a Christian, you're following Jesus, Oftentimes, God asks us to do something that sometimes we want to put off, right? Like, oh, I'm going to wait for a more convenient time to do this. And I think Jesus is saying even to us, and said, listen, let the dead bury the dead. Now is the time to deal with that. And maybe today you come in with something that God has placed on your heart. And I just want to encourage you today to do whatever God is telling you to do. Maybe it's for your, it could be as simple as maybe starting a consistent devotional time. You know, we're going through the Bible in a, in a year here at Summit Park. It's just through the, the Bible app, and it's just walking through just, it's about four chapters a day, just spending time with God. Maybe it's, it's taking your, your relationship with God serious. It's like taking that next step, saying, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. Maybe it's serving the church. Maybe it's giving the tithe. Maybe it, it could be sharing your faith. It could be visiting a family member. Whatever God is placing on your heart, the same lesson that Jesus is teaching this individual about not waiting, he also wants to teach us that are following Jesus, that now is the time, this is the moment that we're supposed to do it. And here's what I've noticed. I don't know if you've noticed this uh, as well, but when I I take action immediately on what God wants, whatever I was worried about takes care of itself. Whenever I, I say, okay, God, I'm worried about that thing over there, but I'm going to do what you tell me to do. And you know what? When I do that, whatever that thing is gets taken care of. It's almost like every time that's what happens. You know, maybe you've got this statement in your mind. I know I I can do this a lot where I say, but what about this? When God puts something on my heart, I'm like, "But what about this? Like, what are they going to think of me? Like, God, what about this? What if we change the but what about this statement to Let the dead bury the dead. (laughs) Because that's what Jesus is saying, right? He's saying, listen, let the dead bury the dead, but you come and follow me. You take action. Instead of what about this, we say let the dead bury the dead. One is a statement of doubt, and the other is belief. One is a statement of worry, and the other is trust. One is a statement of fear, and the other is faith. That we would say, okay, God, I'm not going to wait any longer. I'm going to do what you've told me to do. All right, there's this, uh, there's this third person here. Okay, so that's put it off Patty. All right, this is, uh, this is Fickle Fred. All right, this is the third person. This is Fickle Fred. So this is again from the, the book of Luke, chapter nine. This is what it says. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. What Jesus is doing, Jesus clarifies a lack of focus will impact our following of him. A lack of focus will impact our following of him. Again, Jesus is trying to help this dude out. Okay, just trying to, to throw him a bone, saying, listen, you're gonna deal with this issue later. And what Jesus is referring to is, is um, like how they would plow back then. Is you get like an ox or some kind of animal and you would attach it to a plow that has a point on it. And then you would, you know, go forward and you would plow. I don't know how they plow. They plow like this, I guess. Okay, so that's, you know, that's a plowing motion, people, okay? So, so they would plow. And what he's saying is, if you, if you look back, what happens? You're going to mess up your plow lines. And you don't, you're not supposed to mess up your plow lines. This happened to me the other day. Not when I was plowing, but when I was mowing. Okay, I was mowing, and it really annoys me whenever the lines aren't straight. So I make sure, I try to make sure they're, they're really straight. And so what... It, my mom, you don't need to laugh quite that loud. <laughs> mom, I'm trying. This is my career. Like I'm preaching up here, Mom. <laughs> like I gotta. Now I gotta start over. Okay. <laughs> so, so I was, I was, I was mowing. And the the neighbor came out, sweet old lady, and just said hi to me. And I felt obligated to say hi. But I knew as soon as I let go of my hand and I look at her, that I'm going to mess up my lines. And you know what I did? I messed up my lines. And so I had to go back and then redo it or whatever. But I got my eyes off of, next time I'm not waving at her. I'm just going to put my head down. You're not going to wave today, lady. Okay. But, but whenever we get our, our eyes distracted off of, then what, what happens? We, whatever we're doing doesn't get the attention and we, we go off track. And this is what Jesus is saying here, that whenever we get our eyes on, on something else, it, it causes us to be distracted. That's why Hebrews chapter 12 encourages us and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. It's like that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to fix our eyes. The same idea is what, what this guy's, uh, what Jesus is talking about here is, is not to look back, not to look any other direction, but to look on what God has um, destined for us to do. But he uses this phrase, it's interesting, that's the phrase looks back. Okay, if, if you've um, read the Old Testament, you might have been thinking of a story from the Old Testament. There was someone that looked back, and it's the story of Lot and his wife as they were running from Sodom. So they're... This is a story found in Genesis, and, and God is executing judgment on Sodom because they've become so wicked and so evil. Well, Lot lived there. He was a righteous man with his family, and angels uh, appeared and was like, hey, you guys got to get out of here because God's going to destroy the, the, the town. And so he, they, they start running, but they gave him, the angels gave him instructions, don't look back. Whatever you do, just run, but don't look back. Well, Lot's wife does the very thing she wasn't supposed to do. So Genesis 19, 26 says this, but Lot's wife looked back as she was following behind him and she turned into a pillar of salt. Turned into a pillar of salt. So this is Lot looking, looking back, or this is Lot's wife looking back at, at Sodom. And, and th- this is the idea that Jesus no doubt is, is referring to, that looking back at, at your past, because what what did Sodom represent for her, and and if you look at the, the the Hebrew, the actual word looked, it's it's more like gazed. So it's like it wasn't like a quick look, like oh we got all the kids, you know. Like she's, she's like looking back at Sodom, and 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 looking upon, like gazing on it, like man, that was my that was my life. But but she already knew like there was something better ahead of her. What God was going to do, God had already protected them, and and yet she looks back and isn't that true oftentimes what we can do that we can get distracted and we start looking back maybe not certainly maybe not everybody here but I do believe that there's some here today that you're carrying that weight of of looking back maybe it could be an addiction that you're thinking about going back to that God has delivered you from could be porn could be alcohol you know maybe it's maybe it's anger Maybe some of you, you just get, you get angry and you, you got that under control. Jesus helped you. You got some help. You got into a small group and, and got some accountability. But now it's, for some reason, the anger's coming back and you're starting to get distracted. You're not quite connecting with God so much. You're, not, you're giving into anger more. Maybe it's greed. Maybe it's an obsessive behavior, you know, where you always want to fix things. You know, you're wanting to control something. You feel like your life is out of control. And it's easier to control things than to have faith. That's oftentimes what we, what we choose to do is rather than, than just trusting God and letting go and let God, we want to control something. And oftentimes it's people closest to us, and you, you annoy them to death, okay? So, so it's obsessive behavior. Maybe it's doubt. Maybe it's life without. Whatever it is, it's, you're looking back at the past. And God's saying, don't look back at that. And I can't help but ask the question, like, why salt? Like why would she turn to salt? Why not like stevia? You know. Like why why did she turn to salt? And so when when you um, start, I, I looked at some commentators on this, and the the Jewish midrash, which is like a. Um, a commentary that the Jewish people would add to the story. So it was oral tradition passed down, eventually written down in the Bible that we have today, in the canon, we understand it. But then there's also additional stories that the Jewish people you know, thought of these. So, I mean, again, not necessarily inspired, but just some thoughts. That they believed that the pillar was significant because it was like a garrison that would, would look over something. And what they believed was that she was next to the, the Dead Sea and that she was looking over the Dead Sea, which is full of salt, and... There's nothing there, there's no life. So that she's, this is what happens to those that want to look back, that there's nothing but death there. And if you really, even if you don't take that, I mean, salt has a lot of great properties, but also in several places in the Bible, Psalms, uh, Job, um, another place, I think it's Jeremiah, that they would sow salt in fields and it would there would be no life. It would kill all the plants. And so I think the idea is that salt represents death in this scenario that as we we look back at our old life what what she did was look back at our old life all that represents is death and what God wants us to do is to keep looking forward because that's where life is that's where life is found and maybe today you you come in and you've got some things in your life that are causing you to be distracted at the very least or at the very worst you're looking back and God's like don't do that that's gonna bring death and God wants to give you life. And what God wanted to give this individual, this, this disciple, was like, look, don't look back. I mean, yeah, he wanted to say bye to his, his family. And that just seems pretty innocent and pretty fine. But I think Jesus is knowing that this is going to be in Scripture and is, a, is an illustration to us. And all the other disciples are listening because he's wanting them to understand just how important this decision to follow Jesus is. It's more important than any other relationship, even your most important relationships, is to say, I'm going to follow Jesus. And for this individual, we don't know what actually ends up happening if they decide to follow Jesus. But I love what the Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 3. This kind of sums up in in a very powerful way of looking forward. It says, I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on. To reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. The Apostle Paul is saying, Listen, I'm gonna forget what's behind me. That's behind me. I'm not even gonna look back. I'm gonna look ahead to what God has for me. That's where life is found. Death is found behind us, life is ahead of us, and that's what God has for each one of us. So, those are the three people. Those are their responses, or those are Jesus' response to them. We don't know what they decided to do, but I mean I can't help but but picture what this was going to be. Remember, Jesus said, "Hey, we're going go to go the other side," so they're going to get in the boats. They're going go to go the other side. And what I want to do is just at the close here, I want to read this this uh, verse that that Pastor Scott's going to cover this this story next week. But I just want to read the first line and highlight something. So in verse twenty three, it says, "Then he got into the boat." So he says these things to the disciples, all the crowds listening. They're probably just talking amongst themselves and be like, man, just wanted to go back and bury his dad. Like, just wanted to go and, and say bye to his family. And then, so they're having this kind of conversation. And what Jesus does is he, he gets into a boat. He steps into it. And I, I would just picture this. So the crowd's all like, whoa, this, is, this just happened. And he sits down and he looks back at the crowd and doesn't, I imagine, doesn't say anything. We don't know from the scripture that he says anything. Just looks back at the crowd and lets this sit for a second. Almost to asking the question, I would think, as I just picture it in my mind, it's like, okay, after I said that, who's going to follow me? I I can't promise a hotel. I can't promise things that will give you security. I, I, I can't promise that that, it, you know, I'm going to do something different in the future. But I can't tell you that you need to do this right now. Like, this is a me. I'm getting in the boat right now, and I'm going to go to the other side. So now's your basically your opportunity. And some of you are deciding to go back and look the other way. And you ha- totally have that option. But Jesus is sitting in the boat. He's sitting there, and he's looking back at them. What will the crowd do? And this is, this is what it says. I love this. It says, it's very simple. And his disciples followed him. It's that simple. And his disciples followed him into an empty boat. There was nothing else with it. There was nothing else. And, and my challenge to you today is, why do you follow Jesus? For all of us, including myself. Why, why do we follow Jesus? Jesus should be followed for just him. Like for the person. You're signing up, not for a club, not signing up for some significant group or to get certain feelings or for to have a genie in the bottle that you can ask whatever you want and get it not any of that you're signing up to follow a person and he's worth following he's incredible he will transform and change your life in incredible ways but the reason